That should do it right. All right, cover. Here we go. Today's daf is daf kuf yud test, page one nineteen in the Hilgim Sechus Babakama, and we are on top of daf kuf yud test. We are on the second line from the top. Okay, at the two dots. Veloi mishaymre peiros vechulu again one nineteen a final daf of the Hilgim Sechus Babakama perka goes in lemeichel veloi mishaymre peiros. What does that mean? So again, we're going through scenarios where somebody's putting something up for sale, and it seems a little uh, tricky. Seems a little tricky. Are they real? Are they allowed to sell it to me? So the guy's like, "Hey, you want to buy something?" I'm like, "Sure. What you got?" He goes, "Come to the back room." Be like, "Oh." Thank you. <laughs> Michael, I forgive it. It's all right. I'll, I'll move on in my life. Okay? So if somebody watches fruit, they're a physical scarecrow. That's their job, to be a scarecrow. And they come over to you and they offer you oranges. You're not allowed to buy it from them. Because you know, why are they, what are they doing out in the field? They're a hired worker. They don't own the oranges. Yeah, they would have a different job if they own the oranges. Says the Gemara. Rava Zavin Shabishta Mayarisa. Rava bought, let's go down right over here, pull it up, Gavaldik. Rava brought grape vines from an Aris. Now, an Aris is a sharecropper. Sharecropper is something we've become familiar with already earlier in the Masechta, and that is you have somebody who owns a field, they hired sharecroppers. These sharecroppers took care of everything, and they would take a percentage of all. The growths, but it was a nice percentage. It could be anywhere from thirty to seventy percent, depending on the arrangement. And they mamish, they oversaw the fields. So Rava would buy from the Aris because he's got ownership of the produce. Amalei Abai, Abai said to Rava, who a lot of machlekesim between Abai and Rava, they were beloved cousins. He says, "Vatanab, we learned to the mission. Let me show me Paris. It's in Paris. Now let Abai from Watchmen." Uh, wood or fruit. Amalei, so he, he's a, a sharecropper, like a watchman. Amalei says to him, This is only true by a watchman who is a scarecrow. He owns absolutely nothing. He doesn't get any produce. But a sharecropper who's got skin in the game and he has rights to the produce. I'm allowed to buy it from him. You know why? I could say, you know what he sold me? From his 30%, from his 50%. <clears throat> Now, this is a very, very, very important piece of information. This is a very important qualification. Because what are you learning from here? I would say, let's say an average sharecropper gets 30%. And the sharecropper wants to sell it. Do I have to follow the majority? Or not? This Gemara is qualifying and telling me that if somebody if somebody's offering me something to buy, even if... He's not the owner, but there's enough reason to tell me. It, there may not be shtick here. You're okay. Okay, again, the Gemara is teaching us how to live like a Jew. Like, when is it inappropriate of me to purchase this? And when is it appropriate? It seems it's appropriate as long as there's an element of sensibility to what's happening. I don't, like, need to research much further into this. Tanur Rabban, the rabbis, learn so shall we. Shemri Paris. We're going to call them scarecrows. Those who watch fruit. Leichen mehem, you're allowed to buy fruit from them. Kashem yaishen umeichen. As long as they're sitting there in the market with a fruit stand. So this guy works out in the field, and then he comes back and publicly he's selling his fruit. No problem. You could do it. The baskets are in front of them. The scales, they're, they're looking at their regular uh, 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 grocer. Yeah? But if a guy is a, is a scarecrow, human scarecrow, and like, hey, uh, I'll, I'll sell you some oranges, backdoor deal. 
Then usher, then you can't. In other words, when do we say you're not allowed to buy? When the guy's hiding it also. So we have an additional qualification. A, if you're a sharecropper, you're fine. B, even if the guy's a, even if the guy's a scarecrow and just out there in the field watching over fruit, you're allowed to buy if he's publicly doing this. You could buy from the entrance of the store, not in the back. Inmar, we learned, When are you allowed to buy from a ganav? Now, what does this mean? You, a ganav. A ganav. Yankel of the ganav. Yankel of the ganav. Yankel of the ganav is known around town that when Yankel's got sticky fingers, does that mean everything in his house is stolen? We don't know. Does that mean everything in the house is stolen? No. But Yankel's got sticky fingers. So Mara's asking a fascinating question. Yankel, he's a known robber. He steals sometimes. When are you allowed to buy something from him? When are you allowed to buy something from him? So we have a machlekes. Rav Omar, Rav says, Incredible. As long as most of the things in his possession are his and not stolen, you could buy stuff from him. How would you know that? You know. <laughs> the Yantas. Ask the local Yantas. <laughs> they know where the stuff comes from. Okay? Ushmul Amar. And Shmuel says, No, Afilu Miyat Shaloi. Even if most of the stuff is not his, you could buy it. Okay? And Rabbi Yudah was lenient on this. And he says, You're allowed to buy from a robber even if he has a lot of stolen things. There's a lot of stolen things. There are some things that he does have <coughs> in a valid way. You're allowed to uh, use your sense and purchase it from him, even if you know that this guy's got very sticky fingers. Okay? Huh? We, Paskin, you have to utilize the fashion of the previous qualifications, which is if your sense picks up that this is a stolen item, then you're not allowed to buy it. If your sense picks up it is a stolen item, and therefore we do Paskin like this, because let's say he's a known Ganov, very few things are his, but the way he's selling it is being done publicly, and he's not hiding it, you could assume this is something that's his. Today, this is, this is a generation where we lack the capacity to be ashamed. So things that once upon a time people would never okay. do. Okay, fair so enough. But now, Fair enough. anything goes. However, I agree with according that. to this, it's saying that it really doesn't depend okay. on the context, but really... It depends on context. That's what it's saying, as opposed to numbers. It depends on context as opposed to numbers. That's how we're passing. Okay? Mom and Maser, I'm sorry. Now the Gemara is going to shift over. Listen to this. What about a Miser? What's a miser? It's somebody who informs to the authorities about, uh, about other Jews. <clears throat> so what is the halacha with his property? How do we handle his property? Um, now, part of the issue of a miser is that he ends up getting things that weren't rightfully his. Excuse me. As a reward? That what? Yeah, either as a reward or because he messed somebody else over so now he's going to end up winning. Yeah, you have somebody who uh, informed the authorities because he was going to sit in jail for 40 years. And now by him turning everybody else in, he's sitting for three years instead of 40 years. Okay? So you have people who do that when it comes to finances too. You have the authorities after his stuff. And he's like, hey, you know, take this guy's stuff or whatever. Or, you know, and they, and they, uh, he gets rebates, kickbacks. Uh, the, the meister gets kickbacks from the authorities. Ravuna Ravuna Yehuda Chad Omar he says, you're allowed to, if you see a miser's property, you could, you could break it if you want. 
go break it. Enjoy. Enjoy. You know these homes that we spoke about, right? That you pay 30 bucks an hour, you get, let you in a room and just break, smash whatever you want. You can go to a meister and say, yeah, if you ever want to let out your energy. They have these rooms, you can pay a few bucks an hour, you can break anything you want. They give you a hammer and they say, enjoy. Knock yourself out literally. Yep. V'chad Amar also allowed to be on. Allah says, no, you're not allowed to destroy his property hands on. The one who says that it's permitted to destroy his property, because why should we deal with his money more strict than his body? The same way, a miser, you're allowed to uh, take him out yeah, physically, so you're allowed to take his property. Um, incredible. The other one says, you're not allowed to destroy his property, even though you're allowed to hurt him physically, is because maybe he'll have righteous children. Listen to this pasuk. He'll have righteous children. Listen to this pasuk. Incredible. Ksiv, it says, Yachin Rasha Vatzadik Yobash the Shlabi Hamalak. Mamma just learned this recently, Makavruza. A tzadik gathers and prepares. I'm sorry, a Russia gathers and prepares, and a tzadik comes and uses it. Foundational idea. Here we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna get stuck too many times, so uh, I'll try not to. But this is incredible when it comes to everything, okay? Many people gather a lot of money. You have no clue what's gonna happen to that money. We have zero control what's going to happen. Zero. You have foundations from Rothschild and all these big names given to universities 100 years ago, 200 years ago to create endowments and all these things. And now the money is being used for things that they themselves would be, would, would be so angry about. But you know what? The last letter of the olive base is tough. Yeah. That's what you decided to do. And that's fine. And you know what? It's not even a time. Maybe at, the, at that time you did the right thing. But you should know, if you leave money over for anybody else, you have zero control over how it's going to be used. We don't live in this world to leave an inheritance. So we live in this world... Dying. What? The best thing is not to die. Or, or use it up in your lifetime properly. There's no mitzvah to leave over a, a, an excessive amount of money. There is a... <laughs> the, 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 there is a myth. No, uh, there, there is hilchas inheritance. There is hilchas inheritance, and one should leave something. But if you want to control that good things are done with your property, do it while you're alive. Don't wait till after you pass away. Says Shlomo Melech. I'm telling you, he makes a statement. He says, "Let me tell you something. Rishaim spend their life gathering, and you know what Hashem does at times? He tells the Russia, you're going to be very, very wealthy, very, very wealthy. You know what wealth does for you?" Nothing, because you don't know how to spend it. You can very, and then what happens afterwards? Haman's hung, and who gets it? Mordechai. Haman spends his whole lifetime. Look at me. Look at you. You're hanging on a tree, you little life. You tippish, you fool. Think you're so rich. The tzaddik did nothing. Mordechai sat and did mitzvahs and spent his time learning Torah. And you know, you know why you worked for decades, Haman? So that Mordechai doesn't have to do that. He can live like a mensch and not extort, extort people. And then he ends up with it. Says something incredible. He says, you're not allowed to ruin somebody else's property, even if he's a miser. Because even the worst scoundrel can have a, a good descendant come from him. And therefore you destroy his property. You're also taking it away from a, a righteous person. Righteous, righteous people come from not righteous people. And you know who? You know who? The, all of us. <laughs> we come from Terach. We come from Tarach. We say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, yeah, you're right. Who's Avram's father? Yeah, right. We don't have. We don't all have the most incredible yichas. And Hashem did that on purpose, also. 
Yeah, we all have we all have uh, skeletons in our history. He didn't do Oh, I don't know. Either he did or he didn't. That's for sure. Okay. Either way. Rav Chista Havalei Yahor Yisrael Chista had a sharecropper. Dava Sokol Viyav Sokol Vashakil. His sharecropper would give Rav Chista back his uh, his part of the uh, of the agreement. Vashakil Salke Kron Avshei. He said about and he he mentioned the pasuk on it on about himself. He says he says Vitzofon Latzadik Chel Chaitei. He says Vitzofon Latzadik Chel Chaitei, which means it's stored away for the tzadik something that is the uh, wealth of a person who sins. Okay. Which uh, what ended up happening? The sharecroppers tried skimming some off, and Rav Chista ended up getting his portion too. Once he was busted, Rav Chista didn't even lose his percentage. Man, Dabar Nafshei Kimatik Vaschanev Kiyivtok Yeshol Lekan Nafshei. What is the what good does the flatterer have? For Hashem is going to get rid of his nefesh, his spirit. Rav Huna Rav Chista. Rav Huna Rav Chista have different interpretations. Chad Amar Nafshei the Nigzal. It's referring to the one who the money was stolen from. V'chad Amar Nafshei Shol Gazlan. Another opinion is that it's referring to the nefesh of the Gazlan. Okay, which means that the the robber is going to lose uh, the robber is going to lose his life. All right. Um, and uh, if you look, if you say it's going on the victim, then what it means is when you steal from somebody, it's as if the robber is taking away the life of the victim. Okay, when a person is stolen from, they chas if this ever has happened to somebody, and in greater or you feel very violated, you feel very violated. Um, it's it's not just that you lost the item; you you've been stepped on. Violation is much worse. Yeah. Um, so manda arches can nefesh balav yikach. Mamish takes away the nefesh of the owner. What is being not nefesh of the gazlan? The chsev, as it says, al tigz al dol, do not steal from a poor person. Kidalu, because he's uh, he's he's poor. What type of mission? Just just morally, you got a big problem. The al tidake oni b'shoar, and do not harass a poor person in the gates. Ki Hashem yarev rivam. You know, you know the downtrodden. God picks up their fight. The kavas kaveim nefesh, and he takes away the nefesh of people who hurt them. This is referring to anybody who is being harassed. This is an incredible concept. To suffice it to say, to put it succinctly, you could I, we could talk about this for an hour. If you're ever violated or I'm ever violated, there's one rule to keep in mind. Stay the victim. Do not become the bully. As long as I'm a victim, Hashem will be with me, I'll have protection. That's state and posse. That's what the verse says. The moment I'm out for revenge and I'll do whatever I can to victimize that guy and I become the bully, I lose that siyata deshmaya. Better to be a victim than a bully. Don't do it. Zalokadai, nakadai. The idachnami, the other approaches. Haksiv, nefesh balavikach. It says the nefesh of the owner is taken away. So it means my balav. What does it mean the owner? Balav the hashta. It means the current owner. Who's the current owner? The guy who stole it. He takes away, he established the establishment of the nefesh. Now the word nefesh over here is referring to the nefesh of the ganav. So why are you saying it's referring to the nefesh of the victim? Again, this is classic Gemara. Each one has a supporting verse. So now we're going to go back and forth and try to figure out what the other one does with the other, with the other pasuk. Answers the Gemara. Matam Amar, he says, Ka'amar, he says the, the end of the verse is giving a reason, which is, my Tam Ka'amar, Ka'avetz Kavayim, what's the reason that Hashem's going to take away those who rob from them? Mishom Tekavayi Nefesh, because they took away the Nefesh of their victim, which means they violate and completely 
caused the 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 once the robber takes away the nefesh of the victim, Hashem takes away the nefesh of the robber. Omar Rabbi Yechinan. Rabbi Yechinan says, Call Hagaizel es If you steal from your friend, Shava Pruta, the smallest amount, Kilunaitel Nishmasim Yemen, it's as if you killed him. Why? The logic we just mentioned before. Rabbi Ravinsky said, Give me the smallest amount of money. This person now has no. Balance. He has no equilibrium. He's been violated. You mamish taken away his nefesh. It's as if he, he, he loses himself. Right? Imagine chas v'shalom, chas v'shalom. Let's pick on Yankel. Let's really pick it on Yankel. Pick on me. Yankel, no, no, no. Because I'll tiftach pe. We'll pick on Yankel. So Yankel's at home. And he goes to sleep. And somebody walks in the middle of the night. Yankel doesn't have much to be stolen from. But he wakes up in the morning. And... The, the $50 on his dresser is gone and the window's open. The uncle is ice match. He's not functioning. He's ice match. He's not a human right now. He's not functioning. Why? Somebody was in his house without his knowledge. He's been violated. It's not about whether or not he need the $50. The fact that somebody came in and took something is much worse. And this holds true in all areas. Even when I knew somebody walks over, even when I know, it doesn't mean a guy broke into my house in the middle of the night, the uncle's house. Somebody just takes something. People, Nabuch, I mean, uh, I had to teach my son that this isn't funny. But my son, Messiah Lefituma, like we learned in the course of conversation three days ago, told me that there's a boy in his class who's really funny. I said, Oh, what type of jokes does he do? He says, Well, when we sit down, he pulls the chair away. So we all fall on the floor and everybody laughs. So he's very funny. So I said, Isaac, he's five years old. I said, Isaac, if it happens to you, do you laugh? So he got very like insecure, very insecure. So he's like, well, he's like, well, yeah. So I said, but it really hurts, right? He said, yes. I said, that's not really funny. He's not really a funny person. He's actually very mean. He's a very mean boy. And if he does that, you tell him it's mean and don't laugh. What happens when somebody does that to you? Such a thing, right? You sit down, somebody does to you? That's right. And I'll tell you something. It, not only is it dangerous, you get, that's a violation of my space, of my life, of my physical. What are you doing? Do bismuth sugar? I'm not even embarrassed. You should know. If somebody were to do that to me, I won't get embarrassed. I'm like, that's nebuch on you. I'm not embarrassed. That's, so, that's just pathetic. Do bismuth but what's pathetic? You've, you've, it's just a violation of uh, the chair belongs here. What are you, bismuth sugar? Right? Says the, this is what this what Rabbi says. When you steal, you take away the nefesh of the victim. And Imam consumes everything, including the family. Because of the people of Yehuda who took, uh, who took blood from their land. We're just bringing multiple verses. You know, when the Gemara brings multiple verses, that means... You ain't knocking this off. This is, we're sticking to our guns over here. Yeah, otherwise, just one pasuk's enough. It's like a rabbi giving a drush on jewel. He's got to bring 18 sources for the same thing. Sit down. We got the message. Enough, right? When the Gemara, but the Gemara says over, that means there's no messing. We're not, this is not a shayla. We're not, we're not messing around with this. But I'm in another pasuk. It says, El Sha'ul to the, to, uh, to Sha'ul, Val Beis Adamim, and the house of blood that was shed, what was shed? Asher, because he killed the Gevainim. Now the Gevainim never died. 
Kvayim never died. Um, uh, the uh, Kahanim died, but uh, because the Gavainim's uh, space and their Parnasa was taken away, it's as if they were killed. My what's this last pasuk? Adding the Nefeshdi day. If you're going to say it's adding Mamish, that we're here, we have an explicit mention of the word Nefesh Tashba. That Tashba, come and listen. It means the flesh of your sons and daughters. Maybe you're going to say it's only when you don't give them money. Okay, maybe you take something away, but you actually pay them. Okay, but maybe if you actually pay them, it's not a, such a violation. If you, let's say you force a sale out of somebody, like give this to me. Yikes! <laughs> I'm like, hey, give this to me. You're like, I don't want it. Well, tough luck, and I'm going to pay you twenty dollars for that. That's also a violation. Right? You've, you've taken away my uh, you've taken away my independence. Um, so Tashma, the next passage says, "Machmas bnei Yehuda sheshafu dam nakiv artsam because of bnei Yehuda who killed innocent blood in the lamb." Chitem hani milecha the government be a dime. It's only when you take away with your hand of a grumble. Let's say you cause somebody else to lose money through shtick. You don't act, actually take it away with your hand. Yay. You knew that something's going to happen and this person's going to lose their pants because you gave them advice a certain way and you caused them that that's not as bad. Tashma, another verse tells me, "I'll show the base of Damascus." No. This is the, the Pasuk about Shol and the Gevainim. Now what happened there? The Gemara explains. Shol never killed the Gevainim. Rather because Shol killed Naiv, the city of Kaihanim. Okay? Now the reason why Shol killed them out is he thought that they were, uh, they were helping Davra Melech. They were giving the Gevainim water and food. considers it as if he actually killed them, and that's what the last pasuk is adding on. Two dots, end of that Gemara. We're now approximately 11 lines from the bottom of Kufi Tessa Aleph. a little bit something about the blood, blood from the house of Yehuda? Yeah. Would you, what, what is that, my son? What does that mean? They were um, taking away objects, but paying for it against owner's will. That was where society got to in Judea at that time. They were forced sales. So money was actually paid, but still the Pasuk says as if they were shedding uh, blood because um, people's independence were being taken away. It's up to me. If I, if I own something, it's up to me to decide whether to give it to you. you even if you, as the Gemara is proving, even if you pay for what you took, that's still considered uh, shedding blood. Okay. Now, the Mishnah goes on to say, Again, we're giving examples of people you should not purchase things from because it might be stolen. The Mishnah says you're allowed to buy certain things from women. Certain things you may, certain things you may not. Now, what is this whole thing with women? So the thing with women is, if a woman's single, there's no conversation. Of course, you could purchase from a woman. If a woman's married, so because of the ksuba that a husband's responsible to her for, the rule is that he gets, he acquires the finances of the home. In other words, he's responsible to give her a roof. He's responsible to give her food. He's responsible to give her clothing. He's taking care of her. In compensation for that, whatever a woman acquires goes to her husband. Now, that means if, if you have a married woman, maybe you're not allowed to purchase things from her because how do you know the husband agrees? Maybe she brought it's, it into it's, marriage. It's the husband's. Huh? Maybe she brought it into marriage. But you don't know. Well, you don't know this way. You don't know that way. Okay. So that's what the Gemara is going to come to explain. Here we go. Tan Rabbanan. The rabbis learned, and that's why they are rabbis. You're allowed to buy 
wool garments in Yehuda, or clay pishton begalil, and flax garments in the Galil. Okay. Avol loy yenois ushmalim uslosi. He's not allowed to buy wine, oil, or flour of lemon. Avodim lemon to make. He's also not allowed to buy from slaves and miners. Abashol lemon. Abashol says becheres isha bar above chamisha dinner. The last to keep the rosh. If a woman selling things because she wants to buy a new shetel, she wants to buy a headscarf, she wants to buy something like that, and you know that's what she's earning money for. There's no problem. You don't have to. You don't have to assume anything. A husband's responsible to buy his wife all these things anyway, so you assume the husband's okay with this. Okay. But if the woman says, hey, buy this for me, but uh, just don't show anybody. Do, 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 do me a flavor. Yeah? Don't show nobody. So then, usher, obviously, is not allowed. If somebody's a Gabay Tzedakah, he oversees Tzedakahs, you're allowed to take some money, but not a lot of money. Okay? You're not allowed to take, uh, you're to take a lot of money from a Gabay Tzedakah. Okay? A Gabay Tzedakah... Je- yeah, if a guy by Itzlaka walks over to you and he wants to give a bar mitzvah gift to your son for $20, it could be Makabalit. If a guy's a guy by Itzlaka and he's throwing around $10,000 as a bar mitzvah gift, you should raise your eyebrows. Just hold on to it. Hold on to it. Because chas v'sholem, people could take tzedakahs and use it for their own uh, personal image. Okay. Now, not, you, you may not even assume that he's doing this, but you have to, we're entering the realm of what you're allowed to be nervous about. You're allowed to be nervous about. Um, and what about people who work in the Aleph Press? So as long as there's a lot, you're allowed to take them. See, not everybody had an Aleph Press in their house. You'd bring it to a central Aleph Press, and there were people who oversaw it. If these cover go out and they start selling little, a few ounces of oil, you could skim that off the top of somebody else's olives. But if people are selling gallons and gallons and gallons, so then you can't skim that off of somebody else. You could assume that it's their own personal, uh, it's their own personal olives that they had pressed. You could also buy a little bit of olives from women. Because it's incredible Gemara, incredible psychology. There's times where a man's embarrassed to sell olives Near his house, what do you do? The nice dish that you do if your wife Mecheres and she goes and sells it. Chavra, we are men. We have something called an ego. All right, a macho. We're very macho. What does this mean? So sometimes it's surprising to others, but I'm sure we all know men who at times will struggle financially. That happened. Everybody's in a pinch. And you ask them, I have a job opportunity for you. You can make a little bit of money. And they say, it's pasnished. I don't do that. You say, do it short term. No, can't change my image. And they prefer to have nothing and keep their ego than to take care of their family. Women do not tend to do that. A woman who has children, a woman doesn't mean women don't have egos. I'm not here to say nothing. But women who have children will do whatever it takes to put food in their bellies. And therefore like this, if you have a woman who's walking around selling a little bit of olives, you could buy it. Uh, how do you know her husband? Says, I'll tell you what's going on, says the Gemara. They need money. Why isn't the husband doing it? He's too cool. I'm not selling little things, olive oil. I mean, it's, what's it worth? Five dollars? I'm going to walk around, I'm a big time attorney over here. 
Five bucks? Yeah. The wife said, just give it to me. I'll go get five dollars and buy lunch. Okay? And therefore, if it's a small amount of oil, there's, uh, there's no concern. Ravina Ikla the Bey Mechuzah. Ravina went to the city of Mechuzah. Asa Nashi the Bey Mechuzah. Ramakameh Beklei Beshiri. The Mechuzah came and they were, um, and they put in front of him lots of jewelry. Kabo Minayu. And he accepted it. Amalei Rabba Taisfala Ravina. Baltar went to Raisa. Kaboy Tzlakam Kavmehem. Dvar Mu'ah Voloi. Dovar Meruba Amalei. Hanibalei Mechuzah. Dovar Mu'ah Ninu. There's a very wealthy place. And um, the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, people that are giving the women that are giving me money is considered a, a little bit of, a, a little bit of money. Now Ravina, by the way, the author of Gemara, right? We know it's famous that the Mishnah is authored by Rebbe Hakadosh, Rebbe Huda. The Gemara is primarily authored by with by Ravina and Ravashi. It's good to know. Ravina and Ravashi, primary authors of Gemara. Ravina was a well known Gabai Tzedaka. So well known Gabai Tzedaka. When he went places, he was well off himself, and he went places people knew. You know, he's you got to partner with him in the mitzvah of charity. So he showed up to Mechuzah, and all the ladies came out to see the big tzaddik, and they heard what he was there for, and they just they, they were giving him jewelry left and right, mamish, all these valuables. And Ravina's yeah, he's taking it. And people said to Ravina, how can you take this for tzedakah? He says they're incredibly wealthy with the the, the, the earrings off their ears that are five thousand dollars is garnished. <laughs> you see what they have in their vault. And therefore, it's considered a little bit amount, and that you're allowed to be makabel from uh, from a woman. The husbands have no hakbadas. The husbands are not going to be concerned about this. Okay, Mishnah, bottom of kuf yod tes amad aleph. Final Mishnah. Here we go. Final Mishnah. Muchin shehakayves mitzi harei elu shaloi. Ha. Let's give an introduction. I want to tell you something fascinating. Fascinating. Tell me if anybody's been in this situation. I called my brother today when I was preparing daf. I called my nephew today, my brother's son-in-law, Samaritan nephew, Rabbi Yisrael Mayor Lebovics, who gives daf Yomishir in Baltimore. Lebovics? is his last name. I said, Yisrael Mayor, this has come up in my life over and over. What is the custom? And here's what I don't know. A caterer! The event is over. Who owns the food? Nobody knows. I'm telling you. It sits in the show fridge. That's what happens. Until it rots and you throw it out. No, you give it to Murray and he distributes it. No. If it's it's in a hotel, uh, the Baal Simcha does not have it because the hotel will not release food for fear of liability if the food... Listen to the... Incredible. It's incredible. Interesting Shiloh. Interesting Shiloh. I'll tell you, these things are not spoken about before a bris, a bar mitzvah, maybe by a wedding. People simply don't... They don't think about it and then it's over and like, hey, where's the leftovers? Right? Sometimes the Baal Simcha is like, there was a lot of meat left over from the Kiddush. Where is it? And uh, the, uh, the caterer, caterer takes it. Yeah. Caterer took it. You're like, excuse me. Isn't that, what I, isn't that what I paid for? Yeah. It ever, ha- ever happened to you? You paid for or, the people who, sh- who showed up after the thing is over. I'm supposed to feed 400 people. 400 yeah. people showed up. I fed them. They're gone. 350 people showed up. They're supposed so it's extra food. Give it to the Balsimcha. At a certain point. Mm-hmm. Why? Say, okay. All right. Go ahead. Now here, I hear both stuff. All right. No. Am I right that this is ever this ever uh, all the time? All the time. Yeah. And people are simply like, yeah, and they just get a little uncomfortable with each other for a few days, and then everybody moves on. Okay. So I asked. I said, anybody? What's the idea? Now this is mamish the smishna. Mamish the smishna. What I found out is something incredible. In Eretz Yisrael, 
the custom is that the Balsimcha takes it. In America, either it's the caterers, generally, either it's the caterers, and what they do is, in New York, they give it to tzedakah, and it's a tax write-off. Because it's theirs. Right so for the balsamzer. No. no. For the caterer. No. See? Uh. Sit, the caterer now can send hundreds of pounds of food to charity yeah. and, get right. and, and get a write-off. Mm-hmm. That's a big practical difference over who gets, who gets the food. See, if the balsamcha gets the food and it gets given to Tzedaka, so I gave charity. Gewalt. I never even thought of this. I, I, I'm so happy I called my nephew. Please, I was, it's incredible. I don't know what's going on now, but... Years back, it used to be a big, uh, a big arrangement, big deal. Yeah, where people know that as after a simcha, there'd be arrangements where somebody should start that again. Would pick it, pick it up, and somebody should start that again because we don't have that here. Why not? Oh yeah, we don't have it. Well, not, not there's a lot of leftover food every week in shul, and we look for people to take it, but we need somebody to be. Oversee it. Okay. Okay. We gotta get. We gotta get in on that. Gotta get on. All right. Let, we, we gotta cover ground. Let's go. Yeah. The halacha is depending on where. So we're gonna see. I'm not saying what the halacha is. But I'm telling you what the custom is and what's been accepted from what my nephew told me. From my nephew told me. So discuss it for the time that you're making the final. Very good. Okay, but we didn't. So that's the mission. That's our mission. Listen to this. I give. He told you it's probably right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so let's listen to this. With that introduction, this is our Mishnah. Fascinating Mishnah. If I give wool to somebody to clean, to clean my wool, the leftovers that separate from the wool, it belongs, um, it belongs to him. Okay, who? Okay, we'll see. Let's assume it's a launderer. Because the owner doesn't care if it's a little bit of shirai. It belongs to him. Basarik, uh, what, what if somebody combs out wool? So, Basarik might say, that's going to go to the owner. Why? More. There's more. So, this bitch is letting me know it depends how much is left over. Okay? The guy doing laundry, if he takes out uh, three chutim, three. Uh, um, What's a chut? Not a rope. Uh, yeah, a thread. A thread. Thank you. Takes out three threads. And array uh, array Now you could start a new garment apparently with three threads. Okay. Yosher mikein array lushalabayis. If it's more than that, balabayis. In my yishachar al gabi eleven. Let's say it's black on white, and this is all going to be explained. Let's just assume that you have some white garment with a little bit of bl- with some uh, black threads. The launderer could take uh, could take everything. If a tailor uh, was given fabric or not fabric was given uh, uh, threads to make a garment, and after he's done, there's extra thread. So, if there's enough thread left over to make a new garment, we'll see what that means. Now, what's a new garment? A, a piece of fabric that's like a swatch. Three finger breadths by three by three uh, uh, finger breadths. That belongs to Balabais. It depends how much. Again, Whatever a carpenter cuts off when he's building a shtender, 
He's building a table. Whatever the little wooden pieces are, I give wood to a carpenter. The carpenter can keep it. It's considered extras. It's like, you know, it's extras. Ubaqshil, um, but if he chops it with an axe, if he chops it with an axe, this is a larger piece now. The balabayas can use it as a doorstop. He has, uh, he has usages for it. What if the carpenter was working in the garage of the balabayas? So after, as he's creating the stender, the pieces of wood fall onto the owner's floor. So then he can't take anything. Then the balabayas uh, gets everything. Bottom line, what, this seems to be a constant theme. Yeah? Constant theme. The theme is, if there's significant value for the one who gave it, he's going he's gonna to need a bag. Okay? And this mamish, I, I mean, you can think of other cases, I'm sure, but as soon as I learned this mission, I was like, hello, caterers, <laughs> mamish. Right? Mamish, this comes up all the time. Turn around the rabbis, learn social week. And now that we have our whole Mishnah, so now the question is, if you have a launderer who's handing out wool and handing out threads, are you allowed to buy it? So if it's common for them to just keep it, right? if it's something that they're allowed to hold on to, there's no problem. If it's something they're not allowed to hold on to, so now, uh, so now I, I, need, uh, I need to be concerned. Sorry. So you take off the two chut dal yainim, the launderer has to take off the top two threads, and he's allowed to hold on to the top of Ahmed Bey's final Ahmed of Mesechda. You now let us sew more than three stitches. And he's not allowed to uh, sew it onto the garment, Shesi and Erev. Basically, is how they would weave garments vertically or horizontally. Ela la arva, you're allowed to do it horizontally, not vertically. Umashve la arkai, and you're allowed to use these pieces um, to straighten out the length of it. Avalola rachvai, but not to strengthen out the width of it. Vembala hashvaisai atefach rishoyin. If he wants to fix things up until the tefach of other of garments that he's uh, that he's working on. He's permitted, uh, he's permitted to do that. Now, what is this referring to? We're just giving more examples of situations that a tailor could be in or somebody could be in where there's reason to assume that the craftsman uh, can hold on to it. The, the craftsman can hold on to it because the, depending on the angle or the, whether it's vertical or horizontal is really going to help also determine whether the owner expects to uh, to uh, to receive this back. Amar Mar, the Tana taught us Shnei Chutin. If he takes out the top threads, two Chutin, but not Shalish, then you said three. Which one is it? Like Kasha Ha Baalime Ha Bektine. It depends if it's a big thread or a small thread. Okay. Then we said Veloi two dots Velo Yisrael Kabeged Lish Tuyai Ela LaArva. You're not allowed to um, sew the garment. Along the uh, vertical, but the horizontal. Vatani Ipcha. It says another price says the opposite horizontal, ver, uh, horizontal, but not vertical. Like Kasha Habeglima Habesarbala. It depends if you're dealing with a glima. A glima, we're going to call it a regular shirt, and a sarvala is what we're going to call a frack, a fra- or a bekasha. A bekasha. What's a bekasha? The long coats that uh, that the uh, Hasidim wear. What's the difference between a shirt and a bekasha? How how uh, impressive it has to be, right? Also in, intricate, but also impressive. Like to, to have a bekisha, you need the finest uh, weaving for it to be bold and for it to stand out. Therefore, if it's a thread that's meant for a bekisha, you have more leeway 
of the guy holding on to it because nobody else is going to start making uh, making use of it. Okay. Then we said um, the uh, the uh, tailor should not sew on more than three chuvin, each uh, three stitches for uh, for each loop that he used. Says the price boy Rabbi Yeri, let's go search for information. Amtuye ba'asuye chad, aiduma amtuye ba'asuye tray. How many are you leaving over over here? What's being left over? Are you leaving over one or are you leaving over two? Now, what does it mean leaving over? So what it means like this. Every time a person, we're talking about the amount of stitches that the tailor is obligated to use when sewing a garment. So if you're going to use a garment, why is there leftover thread? Maybe you should have used more of the garment, okay? So there's an expected amount of stitches that go, let's call this actually thread counts. Familiar. Thread counts. Yeah, beautiful. Got it. Thread counts. There you go. That's what I'm looking for. Huh? Only married guys know that. Yeah, get, getting, new, uh, no getting new uh, new linens, yeah? So, um, the question, the Gabar is asking Ashaila, what, what is called a number in the thread count? Is it when the needle goes up and down and back, or is it just one direction? You go in one direction or two directions? Now that answers the Gemara. Take you. We're not sure. We have to wait for Leo and Navi. Who, who did you ask that from? Huh? How did you know? Thread counts. This whole, this explanation right here. Where'd you learn this explanation? Of what? The thread counts and of the name thread counts. And how and how Hashem sent me the how, word thread counts while we were learning <laughs> just now. And how it goes uh, forward and backward. That. Uh, Probably second year base measures. Probably second year base measures. When uh, when our Shailu Meshiv came in with a uh, what's called a, a loom, and he and he, he did a uh, that's right, and he, he gave us a whole demonstration on chassis You can do on, it right over here, front and back. On on Delmar, used to be. Oh, they're not there anymore. Ah, oh, all right. They had an old one. All right, here we go. You you uh, straighten things out. Mashva, the length and not really, not the length. That's really a thing. This little. Uh, yeah. Well, because you think about it, make something depending on how many thread counts he does to an inch. That's right will depend on what kind of garment you're going to have and how it's going to look, look and how strong and how it's going to look. That's right. A lot of stuff. To... So when your wife wants 2,000 red count Egyptian cotton no, cheese, don't argue no, absolutely. you know it's better. Absolutely. It's a very profound concept. It's very profound. It applies to many things in life. It's a very profound. It applies to many, many things. Many things. How well done something, uh, something is. Absolutely. Absolutely. It applies to... Organizations if you want classy, applies to. You gotta pay for it. If you want what? If you want classy, you got to pay for it. That's right. You got to pay for it. That's right. This is, I have to tell you this because I can't remember it. You straighten it out lengthwise, not widthwise. Otherwise, says otherwise. Like Kasha, again, Habagliba, Habayumi. It depends if you're dealing with a shirt or you're dealing with a with a Hamyani. Uh, Hamyani is like an accessory. So accessories you don't need to be as uh, specific with. 
right? D- different size. Literally, it's a belt. There's different size belts. That's different than a, it doesn't need to be as perfect as a shirt. You're not allowed to buy wool from somebody whose job it is to, uh, you know, to comb it out because um, it's uh, it's not his. But if it's a, if the minig is that he gets it, then he gets it. Everywhere you're allowed to buy a, a pillow from them, the kases malaya muchen or a mattress. Even if they didn't take it legally, they acquired it by changing these shreds of wool into a uh, into a pillow. Turn around, the rabbis learn that's why the rabbis ain't like him. May gardi not allowed to purchase from a weaver. Now let it buy all these little intricate uh, details that go together with the uh, woof. Yeah, the woof. That's a, that's a, right? Beged Menumer. You're allowed to purchase a Beged Menumer from them. Erev Veshesi. You're allowed to purchase a Beged Menumer. Menomer is spots. You'll have to purchase a uh, spotted one that is Erev um, uh, Veshesi, uh, that goes back and forth. Tavoy, uh, it's, it's uh, spun, Ve'arig, and woven. Amri, they explain, Hashta Tavu Shakli, now that you're allowed to buy things which are spun, Arugmi boy, why do you got to tell me about things that are woven? Sigmar says it's just telling me it's my arug, it means techi, even though you made it into wool. I just want to explain this. Is very, it sounds complicated just in the details, but it's a, it's a very simple thing. And that is, if you ha- let's just take a scenario. You have somebody whose job it is to comb out wool. Okay? That's your job. People bring you wool to comb out. Now, if it's a lot of wool, you know, little threads you could. How do I know? So Gemara here is just pointing out you should know that if somebody who has this job is selling ready-made threads, you could buy that. You don't even have to start thinking about this because even if they stole it and they shouldn't have taken it, they were kind of it. They did acquire it with a shinui. It's now considered a change. And the Gemara here is just explaining how much of a change is called a change. And we're, and we're saying even if it's spun into a fine thread, that's enough. Now keep in mind, like, but the guy still stole it. Fine, so he's got to pay back. But practically speaking, it's his. So if it's his, I'm allowed to purchase this. Tanra the rabbis learned that's where the rabbis. You're not allowed to buy from a tzaveya, somebody who dyes things. You're not allowed to purchase. If people would bring their wool to a dyer, and he would paint it, he would color it. If he's selling wool, eh, it doesn't look good. Where'd you get that wool from? Right? He's not allowed to buy it like Isis. But like dogmas, you're not allowed to buy examples. Uh, uh, a dogma, yeah. People give a swatch. Like tlushin shall the like tlushin shall semer and not pieces of wool. I've like man beged savua tavi begod. You could buy a ready-made garment. That's all tatsi tatsi it up. Yeah, there's no problem. Again, there's no. First of all, it's a lot, so you don't have to assume that he took it uh, off of one thing. And even if he did. He made a strong enough shino. If you're allowed to buy even threads, why are you, why are you even mentioning garments? Of course you can buy garments. What do we mean by garments? We mean namte. Namte, sometimes garments don't have fine uh, threads. It's even if the threads are like very rough in the garments. So we're letting you know that even if it's not a well-made garment, 
he still acquired it from the mere fact that it's a garment. If somebody gives a person gives skins to an abdon, somebody who who processes them, he tans them. So they would they would um, cut off the edges to uh, as they would tan it, you know, so it would uh, have proper dimensions and they would know exactly what it was. So those sh- scraps belong to the balabayas. And any wool that comes out of the rinsing that belongs to the uh, that belongs to the uh, the tanner. Let's say it was black on top of white. Um, then you take off the black, and he's allowed to keep that. Amar Abuda Abuda says, "Katsra Shmei v'Katsra Shakil Lay." You should know that the name that we're trying to articulate over here is Katsra. So it's called Katsra. Katsra Shakil. You took cut. You you took Katsra from him. That's what this is called. These uh, these black threads. A lot of two dots here. Getting lost. says, All these things are counted towards the um, the minion, the counting of tchelas of tzitzis, um, and Yitzchak is very makbid to uh, straighten them out. He's talking about his. Rashi says he had a son named Yitzchak uh, before putting them on uh, on his tzitzis. Okay, now why is he mentioning this? Because since people did use them for their tzitzit strings, he's saying they do have care. People do care for even this amount of, uh, of thread, and they may be used on tzitzit. Okay, hachayit. What happens if you have a tailor? Sheshayir es hachut v'chulu. The tailor leaves over a uh, chut. He leaves over uh, um, threads. Okay, v'chulu. V'kama litvar. So he said, if there's enough to sew with, he's got to give it back. How much is that? Amar Ravasi. Ravasi says, I'll tell you. Meloi machat. It's the, it's the size of a needle. The chutz lemachat. Besides for the head of the needle. Besides for the head. Okay, so the, it's the length of, of a needle. You that's a question of searching for information, a curiosity question. Meloi machat. The chutz lemachat. Kemloi machat. Do we mean the length of a needle and and beyond that, in addition to that, or is it the length of the needle plus a little bit? Tosh come and listen. Time to enter. If you have a tailor who leaves over thread and there's not enough to sew something else with, or he left over from a talus a garment and it's not three. Uh, three uh, finger breadth. If you know, if it's a time where the, bala, the, the balabayas is makbid, he cares about this size. Or either balabayas, you got to give it back. Ain't a balabayas makbid alem. The balabayas is not makbid. On it doesn't care too much. Then the tailor could keep it. Everything they say it means the size of an needle plus pl- uh, size of an needle plus. So I understand. How much is less than that? He says, I'll tell you. If it's a length of a needle, you still could do a stitching, but it's not going to be a quality stitching. It's just a little bit. So then, less than the, the length of a needle, what's that little thread going to be fit for? Why in the world would the, does the tailor have to think that there's a possibility the owner wants something back? He can't really create anything with this. When are you allowed to keep it? When you have 
enough thread, whatever the length is with the needle, more than that, but to, to create something with, all right? To, to do something with. And uh, um, that's when you got to give it back. Otherwise, you can hold on to it. Shema This is This is a, a good proof. Okay. Here we go. Says the Gemara Viter. Now we get into the case of the carpenter. Ma shehacheresh v'chulim. We said buy a carpenter, right? Big piece, owners. Little shraps, carpenters. If the carpenter's working in the balabas's house, it all goes to the balabas. Whatever little pieces of wood come off with a saw, harilish balabais, belongs to owner. But if it comes off with a mikadeach, mikadeach is a drill. So we're dealing with mamish like sand dust. Sand dust? Yeah, Sawdust. Thank you. Or underneath the rehitni, we're going to call that the, not the sawdust, but the, um, when you sand. Shining. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for something. When you smooth out the surface of wood, you use something rough. Use a plane. Not a plane that's too fancy. Sandpaper? Sandpaper. Oh, <laughs> Taking me back to like, yeah, camp. Yeah, sandpaper, right? You go sandpaper, so you're going to end up with small little mamish, uh, small little particles. And we talk as we're The hanigrar magrera, or again, little pieces of, uh, even if you used a saw, but it's a little piece that came off. Hare elu shaloi, he's allowed to keep all of these. Amar Rava, Rava says, Ba'asra, the Tanadi Dan, Ika Tarti Chatsini Lirabasi. He says, you should know, in the place of our Tana, meaning, I want to explain to you the context of the person talking. So in the place of our Tana, there were two things that were used to cut wood. Okay, and what were they? Lirabasi, for a lot of wood, curry lake shill. If you have a lot of wood, what are you going to use? Axe. A kshil. You're going to use an axe. Beautiful. Lizutra say, and for a little piece of wood, curry lay matzade. It was called a matzade. Okay. But asr the tana bra, and in the place of the tana of the, of the uh, brisa, chadu, there was just one utensil in that place, the ika um, that was there, the curry lay, and it was called. Matzad. Okay. So he just, the Tana wants to explain the context of the words that our Mishnah, that our Mishnah used. All right, here we go. Um, if the carpenter is in the garage of the owner, everything belongs to the owner. Two dots. Here we go. Says the Gemara. The rabbis learn so should we. That's why the rabbis are. He says, just go ahead. It is very important. It's mamish. The rabbis learned, and that's why the rabbis. Misatse avonim ein bahem mishom gezel. If you have little pieces of stone, we discussed, we discussed wood. What about little pebbles that are cut off as you're chiseling. creating bricks or, or chiseling something? Okay? So there's no problem of taking it. People could take it. This is considered extra, and it's not stealing. Mepaske ilanis. What about trees that were pruned? Can I take little twigs and branches that were cut off of trees? The Paske Gafanim were from grapevines. Menachshe Zram are things that get in the way of seeds. So we're going to call this um, weeds or weeding to when, when, when the things are, are weeded out of the ground, right? Uh, is, that, is that the. We're referring to weeds. But what's the process of. Weeding. It's weeding. called weeding to remove all the yeah. things. Okay. Um, 
or again things that are growing in the way the things that are getting in the way of vegetable growth. If the owner cares about them, you guys are not allowed to take it. The reason why the Gemara says is you have to know. You can't just assume of these cases. Don't just take it. If you you have to find out, does the owner care about it or not? It depends on society. Amr Avinu Avinu says, Kshos v'chazes. Kshos v'chazes. All sorts of unripe grains. Ein bahem mishum gezel. There's no issue of gezel. This seems to imply that people could go and, uh, and just take them. The owners don't care. But asro de kapti. But if you know that people care, yesh bahem mishum gezel, then there's going to be a problem. Amr Avinu Avinu says, Umasa mechasya. In the town of mechasya, you should know asro de kapti who... The owners do care about these things. Hadron Alach. Hagoiz of Basu Sigil Mazakas Babakama. Hadron Alach Hagoiz of Basu Sigil Mazakas Babakama. Hadron Alach Hagoiz of Basu Sigil Mazakas Babakama. Mazotov, everybody who finished Hedigam Mazakas Babakama. Wow, what a marathon, no? 118. Dafin, we start on Daf 2. So it goes through 119. Shrebetus Mazotov. Whoever's not here yet, please join us for a buffet. We'll talk about the, the Siyum. Bez Hashem, we'll, uh, we'll try to pull it off in the next uh, week or so. And uh, Bez Hashem, 9.30 a.m. tomorrow, the work is never done. We begin with the Hela Gimbeseches Babakama. Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos.